Welcome back to another episode of Better Than I Found It, the podcast all things college golf. You're listening to Mike McGraw, the men's golf coach at Baylor University. Today's guest is an up-and-coming young coach from Dallas, Texas, named Brandon Wilkins. Brandon is the assistant coach at SMU in Dallas and is a great, great young coach, has had a lot of experience coaching elite players at a very young age in his career, which is a great experience but also just has a lot of really unique perspectives on the game and coaching. And I think he's really one of the great young coaches in our, in our profession. Hope you enjoy. Okay, better than I found it, listeners. Let's give a big shout out and welcome to Brandon Wilkins, a young assistant coach at SMU in Dallas. Brandon, uh, welcome to the Better Than I Found It podcast today. Thanks, Mike. It's uh, it's good to know that I'm 167 person on this list and probably number one in your heart. I know I'm <laughs> pretty influential on that 167th list. Well, so. I mean, you can say that all you want, but you are on this list. I know. I good. feel I feel really uh, good about it. I feel excited yeah. about it. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. You know, I, uh, I, I've thought this podcast has been good for me, honestly, and most people would not believe that, but it actually has been because I learn a lot about guys I'm recruiting against, coaching against, walking fairways with. I get to find out more, but I also get to find out sort of not hidden secrets, but sort of things that make them tick and why they're successful. And And you've been very successful at a very young age. Uh, when I was your age, I, I'm just going to tell you this right off the start. When I was 30 years of age, I think you're 29 or 30. What are you? 29. Yeah, 29. About to, be 30. About to be 30. When I was 29, I was coaching high school golf, and there was not any way possible. I could not have been a power of Division One golf coach. No chance. I, I just wasn't ready. I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the self-belief. Or, there was something lacking there, and I was I was a really good high school coach because I was comfortable. Uh, so I, anytime I see a guy in his 20s that's doing a great job, I think I think there must be something special that I can learn from. Well, I've had some great mentors and some great people along the way to help me uh, learn and, and gain experience through this crazy world of college golf and golf in general. So it's been a, it's been a lot of fun and, um, you know, just really enjoying the the journey that I'm on and having this opportunity is pretty, uh, feel a lot of responsibility and, um, you know, pride in the fact that I'm beginning able to do this at such a young age. And um, it's been really fun so far. I'm, I've yeah. You mentioned this crazy world of college golf. I mean, the crazy world of collegiate athletics, everything has been turned upside down in the last five years. It's completely a different game. So we all have to adjust and adapt, just like we tell our players to do yeah, <laughs> when the right. wind changes, right. or, you know, something like that. So it's interesting, but you've entered the coaching profession at a way more volatile time than when I entered. It's no doubt. And it's changed a ton since I first got into it, which was probably seven years ago when at 23 years old. I mean, I think, I mean, just over the last five to six years, the overall coaching sphere has kind of changed in the, in the fact where there's more power in the player's hands. We're, we're having to deal with a whole lot more stuff, um, more money, more problems. Um, you know, people having sensitive feelings about certain things and jumping ship and going on the transfer portal and, and, and doing a lot of different things. So we have to be very careful as coaches and we have to take care of our players and um, treat them like our, like our own. And so they're not, they're not 
hitting shots for us. We're, we're walking alongside them with life and making sure that they're doing the right things to grow as a young man and as a golfer. So, um, you know, being a great coach is, is no longer just being a great recruiter. It's about being a good person and treating your kids with respect and helping them learn as young men. So I'm glad you said that because it's not just words. I think you really live by that. And it doesn't mean every day you're the perfect coach. I know you're not, I'm not, no one is, but we are part psychologist, part counselor, part mentor, part friend, part, you name it. And the assistant coach has a little bit different duty than the head coach does. He really does. Cause you guys have a, a chance to, I mean, Mike Holder will tell you, he had some hard, hard edges and he hired me. Part of the reason was to soften those hard edges while still imparting the same ethics, morals, values, whatever you will, that he thought were important. We could still do that, but I had to soften those a little bit. So I know an assistant coach always has a little bit different role, but you know, you talked to, you've been in this seven years and you were a player before that, but who got you into the game initially? Like who was your first major influence that kind of got you going to the game? Well, I grew up in a small town called Alito, Texas. It's no longer small anymore. Um, we are known for high school football. We live high school football. We breathe high school football. And that what it was known for. And, and my brother was a fantastic standout defensive tackle for Alito High School. Um, started for three years. I think he was All-State at one time. He was, you know, 275 pounds, ran a 4.840, and could bench 425 pounds. And hmm. uh, as you've seen me before, Mike, I am not um, – <laughs> I'm not those things. I, the only thing that I do is yap a lot and talk a lot and I'm annoying to other people and try to make people laugh. That's kind of what I do. So uh, I was kind of living in his shadow for a little bit. And, uh, you know, he was an athletic beast that everyone looked up to and respected for his hard work and discipline. And uh, He played college football. And, you know, I was looking at myself in middle school and I'm, I'm six foot, 135 pounds. And I'm thinking, man, I'm not going to be playing college football or maybe not alone high school football. And if I did play high school football, I'd be sitting on the bench. Um, I was decently athletic, not a great athlete and, and played some basketball and football in middle school. And I started going out on the weekends with my dad playing golf and I, I really enjoyed it. I was horrible. I mean, I popped the golf ball, I'd chunk it, I'd shank it. I, I was terrible, but it would just grew into this love of mine. I, I just wanted to be good at it. And I was pretty competitive. My family is pretty competitive. We had a lot of people in there that, just love playing sports, love playing games, love just being, you know, at odds with each other as far as competition goes. And so, um, you know, I, I was never going to be that next level football player that my brother was. So I, I decided that I was going to take a competitive golf my freshman year of high school. And I tried out for the high school golf team. I shot a 107 and uh, Coach Nelson, he was a football coach slash golf coach, uh, great guy, but he, uh, he, he decided to let me on my team. I think mostly because my brother was a standout football player. I kind of got the nod because I had the family name and it was, it was easy that way. And so uh, he let me on the team and I, um, I started playing. And I, and I think, you know, the next, the next step was getting instruction. You know, I needed some instruction. I needed some help. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was horrible and I was playing these tournaments. I was playing terrible and I decided I would start taking some lessons. And well, you've used so, the word horrible and terrible and awful. I'm kind of thinking you didn't have a lot of golf self-esteem at the time. I didn't No, I wasn't good. I wasn't good, but I, I wanted to be good, right? There's a difference between being good and wanting to be good. So I was, I was going to take the next steps and, and next levels to be good at, at golf. And so I, uh, you know, I started doing some research and I got in touch with a, a man named Mike Wright um, out of 
out of mm-hmm. Shady Oaks Country Club in Fort Worth. Um, and, you know, I, I immediately got introduced to Mike. We were, we were really close immediately. Um, and he was a disciple of Mr. Hogan, Mr. Ben Hogan. Um, you know, he learned under Mr. Hogan. Uh, Shady Oaks was Mr. Hogan's home course away from Colonial. It was just more of his private private place to come and hit balls and Mr. Wright learned under him. And I immediately started taking lessons from Mike and I, I got a lot better very quickly. Um, and, you know, some of the, some of the great personality traits I admire about Mike is, you know, he's very disciplined, very hardworking. Uh, he was going to hold me accountable. He was very professional and he commanded respect uh, from everyone around him. And so I, I admired him as a person and which allowed me to take his golf instruction a whole lot more serious. Um, and actually I, I started working at Shady Oaks when I was 16 in the bag room. And so I got a heavy dose of Mike Wright and he was pretty instrumental in my development as a golfer. Um, and so I got better pretty quickly and starting competitive golf at 15 years old was not an easy task. And so, um, I, I learned from him. Um, he developed my golf swing. He kind of uses some of the same, techniques that he learned from Hogan and uh we kind of got to where we needed to be by the time my junior year came around I wasn't great but I was good enough to maybe play at a junior college or you know division three or division two level and never never a power five you know golf program or division one golf program but I I got to a point where I I could probably play college golf which was cool and um I owe it a lot to him he's he's pretty instrumental in my in my life and in a lot of ways um and he was just a, he was a tough guy, but he was, he was nice to me and, and good with me. And I, I needed some toughness and some accountability in my life at that time. And especially in the golf world, because my parents never really knew much, a whole, whole lot about golf. Um, and Shady Oaks was, I mean, I, mm. it is a fantastic place. I mean, it is, there's so much history there. Um, it's a great place to work on your game. Little nine there is just a fantastic arena to just hone your skills. And so, uh you know, my parents weren't going to join there, but me working in the bag room, I got privileges to practice out there. And, um, I just feel, I felt really fortunate to have that Avenue to, to use growing up. And, and it was, it was really cool. I, you know, I lived probably 25 minutes away and it was a, it was an awesome place for me to kind of grow. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of my upbringing in golf. And I, and I'm, I'm pretty thankful for that. Well, you, you gratitude one, that's a great thing. But number two, you said something about working in the bag room to get privileges to play. It still exists, but it doesn't exist in the same uh, quantity as it used to. It used to be pretty much a kid showed up at the golf course and he realized, okay, this is going to be expensive. Right. Uh, goes in, talks to the head pro and says, how could I How could I make this less expensive? Well, if you would pick up the range three nights a week, we'd probably let you play and practice that or something like that. I think mm-hmm. every kid would benefit from that. No doubt. Yeah, I think my parents were, were just going to, you know, give me the keys to that and say, you're going to have to figure this out and we're going to give you some resources to help you out with tournaments and, you know, equipment and stuff like that. But as far as this goes, we're going to, we're going to give you this opportunity to to work here and we're going to help you support you work through this place, but, and then, and then go from there. And so I've working there was awesome. I mean, the members, the connections that you made there and I still have a lot of friends and um, acquaintances from that place. And it, it takes you very far in life, just past golf. Yeah, I agree with that. So you, you, Started very late, competitively speaking, so it was kind of hard to get a game in shape to play a Power Five conference school. But you did play for one of the best coaches I've ever met, and that was Vince Clark. And Vince's name has been mentioned numerous <laughs> times on this podcast, literally f- 
for over three years because uh, I know excellence when I see it. I know what's really good. It just looks a little different on Vince, uh, but it's really, really good. So I want to know from your perspective, as so many others have told me on this podcast, what are some of his qualities that made him a great coach and some qualities you probably try to emulate today? Yeah, I've heard and I've listened to your podcast a ton, Mike, and I, I think the best way to describe Mike is is through a Bible verse. Bible verse. It's Luke twelve forty eight, and it says, "For who has been given much, much will be demanded, and from who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked." And so, you know, he he has been given a lot, and he is, and he gives a lot in that same sense. And so, uh, he is a man that uses his platform. Um, he uses it through golf, um, but it's not about golf for him. And, you know, and it just shows where he's at in his, in his career and where he's at, where he coaches at. Like he, he uses that golf as a platform and, um, you know, he, he is a big believer in who you surround yourself with is who you'll become. And so he creates a group of guys that he makes that important. And so creating a culture, creating a, a, uh, avenue for guy, young men to become, men that are great fathers, great husbands, great people in the workforce. Um, and, and anything in life, it's about competition, right? I mean, we live in a competitive world, no matter what you're doing, it doesn't matter if you're playing professional golf in the business sector. Uh, we are forced to be competitive in this world, in this life. And, and I think uh, his faith drives a lot of that because he wants to be good at what he does, but he also wants to instill his, you know, beliefs and feelings into other people. And he wants to help young men become great people too. And so, um, you know, I, I subconsciously never, and I, I subconsciously never knew I wanted to get into coaching, but I think having my two coaches that I had have really kind of influenced that, those feelings. And, um, you know, I, I think we're, we're given a huge platform and yes, golf, we all love golf. Golf is an amazing sport and we're given such a great, uh, opportunity to play this sport and, and coach the sport and go to the places we go to, um, but the biggest thing that we can do is, is be great influences on our players and, and those around us because um, life is short. We are not going to be known for our results, but we're going to be known how we treat others and how we influence others. And so I think Vince does such, such a great job of that. And uh, he's been very instrumental in my life. He's been with me and, and walked through me some really hard times in my life. Um, and that's what life's all about, right? We're, we're in each other's lives to walk through um, them with each other when things go south and on the golf course a lot of things go south a lot and so it's a great life sport so what do you say to the coaches who say well that all that sounds good it's good words it's nice rhetoric thank you for saying it but man you got to be good and you're, you 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 want to win championships and you want to win rings and all what do you say to those guys i mean how in the world can you get a guy like that that's truly about the result okay and there are plenty of guys still coaching that it's about the result. How do you tell that guy it's not about the result or if it is about results, it's about the results that you have with those players in life. How do you well, get them? I, to think, I, I think you just got to go back to the fact that competitiveness is a way of life. And, you know, we have to teach our players to be competitive. And, and like I said, you're going to have to be competitive in anything you do in life. And if you want to be successful in this life, you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to have discipline. You're going to have to have integrity, um, responsibility and, you know, those things end up adding to good results at the end of the day, sometimes. I mean, not all the time, but a lot of the time, if you add integrity, hard work, discipline, responsibility, uh, integrity, um, accountability to your own life, and you add that in a heavy concentrated dose to your life, ultimately, you're probably going to be pretty decent at whatever you're doing, in my opinion. I, and I, I know for 
for a fact, I'm, I'm talking to you and you do all those things. And I know you're probably the one of the least result oriented people I've ever met in my entire life. And so you do all those things day, day in, day out. And you ultimately get to the point where you're like, okay, I've got something that I'm pretty proud of here and that we're pretty competitiveness competitive with. And so, um, you know, you teach young men to do that. You teach young men to walk with dignity and, uh, responsibility and are, have a sense of pride about what they're doing, you're eventually going to get those results. And, and I, sometimes we get it backwards and it's about the results and everything else before that. But I truly think if you do everything the right way and you, and you walk at a certain level of, you know, accountability within yourself, that these are the, the way that the things that we're going to do things and we're going to be, we're going to do things right. And eventually the results just take care of themselves. And like I said, like, that's just not, that's just not with golf. That's everything. And that's golf is a great platform for us as coaches. And that's what pays us to the bills at this point. But if we teach our guys to do those things and have those character traits, we're going to end up on the right side of this thing more often than not. So what's so incredibly uh, poignant about this is that Vince has been incredibly successful as a coach too. He's won three national championships. His team is in the top 10 every year at nationals. Mm -hmm. So you can do both. I absolutely believe you can do both. Um, One of my favorite coaches, Jay Sewell, another one of my favorite coaches, he's been very successful. And I promise you, he he, Jay would show his emotions with his players and he let them know he loved them and he was not afraid to do that. So I I could go through a long laundry list of coaches who are successful, but also do it the right way. But you didn't just play for one coach that's that way. You played for another. And that's Tom Shaw at Evelyn Christian. And by the way, interestingly enough, one of my assistant coaches, Corey Donnell, played for both coaches as well and you and Corey have an interesting connection as well we do yeah I, I played for Tom and then actually I, after I graduated he he came t- came to me and said hey Brandon I'm I'm thinking about adding an assistant coach and I would like for you to come on board and um, my immediate reaction was like I'm not sure if I really want to do this for the rest of my life this seems pretty hard and having to deal with knucklehead college kids all day long seems kind of difficult and so <laughs> uh probably because me and my teammates were probably pretty big knuckleheads, but uh, I mean, looking back on it, it, it was a pretty cool ask. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed playing for Tom. I was, I was not very good for Tom. I wish I was a better player. I torn my ACL before my junior year and had some physical limitations there. And so I, uh, I tried my hardest, but I, I was not a great player for Tom. And I, uh, but him, and I became very close through throughout those two years. He had, um, got hired at Abilene Christian and I, I was coming in off a torn ACL and he honored his commitment to me to uh, AC's commitment to me to come play on the team. And um, I don't, I don't know if I'd be definitely would be coaching college golf. If it wasn't for him. And so um, especially for events too, I think that both those guys subconsciously had a huge impact on me to, to get into this business. And um, obviously the way they treated me as a, as a person to help develop me as a young man, because I was a, coming into my freshman year of college, I was definitely a, a little bit of an imbecile, you know, mm. I, was, I was definitely a, a kind of a, you know, all my, all my teammates can attest to this. I was kind of just a little loose around the edges. Kind of, I, I didn't really, really have my stuff together and was kind of unorganized, but these guys held me accountable to be kind of become a man that I was proud of at one point. Well, all these years that I've known you, I've never seen that side of you. So <laughs> luckily I hired the guy that's got all the dirt on you. And that is Corey Donnell. Cause he knows he knows where the bodies are buried. Promise. He's got it all. So if you want any information about me from my past demons, he, he's got the he's got the laundry trunk of that. So just ask him. I'll do it. Well, listen, uh, I consider you a really good young recruiter. 
So, I mean, I, I've watched closely because we recruit basically in the same circle all the time. Right. Um, so you got to help me out. What makes you really good at that? Help me get better. Come on. How are you? Why are you a great recruiter? Um, I, I think some of the things that I can think of, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty charismatic. I can kind of get along with just about anybody, any, any scope of life from any area and any direction. Um, I've been around a lot of different kinds of people in my life, um, which has helped me. And, you know, in this world, you're going to come across a lot of types of people and um, finding a way to get along with them and relate to them is, is pretty important. Uh, just talking on the relational side of things. And I, and I think we, we live in a world where call, golf is about reputation and, and people talk, people, people talk and people have a lot of things, a lot of things to say about different programs and different people. And um, my number one goal is to, is to treat people right. And, and, uh, and actually make them feel heard. I think a lot of people are, are nice to people, but one of the biggest things that, that I try to do is make people feel, feel heard and have a s sense of empathy. Um, I think junior golfers have a way of, making it feel like it is so business-like and talking to a college coach is scary. And for me, I, I don't want to make it feel like that way. I want to make it feel like I'm on their side and on their team and that this is a, a process that we're walking together in. Um, and, and, and I think it's, it's a difficult process because you're trying to make a decision that could impact the rest of your entire life. I mean, it, it is, it is a lifelong decision that you're going to either love that you made or hate that you made at the end of the four years. Uh, and that's just the reality of the situation. And so my goal is to be as vulnerable as possible in the recruiting process as a person. Um, I'm not going to let them see a side of me. That's not me. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to show them who I am as a person and uh, definitely open myself up to, to any kind of thing that they might want to know about me. And so that's kind of the relational side of things, but there's two pieces of it, right? I mean, you're obviously having to identify talent and in this world of recruiting, you have to be extremely creative. I think we live in a world that's like, if you're, if you're a coach and you're just solely focused on going to junior golf scoreboard and looking at the rankings and going off those things, you're going to, you're going to get beat. Um, and so it's really important for me to, to get, watch a bunch of golf. And that's one thing I've learned from you, Mike, is you watch so much golf. You see so much golf. You see so many interactions between players and parents and other players, which is so influential in this process. Because if you get a, if you get a knucklehead in your program for four years, you're going to be wrestling with them and having to put energy into them for that entire time where you could be putting energy into other players that, that deserve it. Um, and, and I think you have to look for players that want to, are open to growth. They're open to change. They're open to being, becoming a young man that's, you know, reliable and dependable and, you know, has integrity and has those character traits that are really important for a team atmosphere. And so, mm -hmm. as you know, it's, it's once you get one bad egg in, in these programs, it's really hard to come back from that. And so I think it, recruiting is everything. It's the lifeblood of, of the program of programs and golf programs and, um, we're consistently trying to do the best we can. Obviously we miss on players and we miss on people. And, you know, sometimes they don't, some players don't want to be coached. Sometimes, sometimes players are hard to be hard to coach and uh, you know, the recruiting process is not foolproof. And so we're, we're constantly in a, in a battle with that. And so, um, and, there, and I think the biggest thing too, it's, it's such a hard thing because there's so many good coaches and so many good programs and so many good facilities. And like, it is a constant battle where if you're not doing something different and being creative in a way you're recruiting, you're probably going to get beat by a lot of schools. So um, 
Just like some thoughts it. there. No, they're very good thoughts. And and those are thoughts from a 30-year-old, 29-year-old. I would not have had those thoughts, didn't know it about it. Now, maybe if I'd gotten into coaching at 23 on the collegiate level, I would have been able to kind of articulate what you just did. Don't think I could at 29 when I was a high school coach. Um, you've been in seven years. What's the biggest surprise? I mean, like something that sort of shocked you. I mean, like I didn't expect that in college coaching. So I, I think the biggest thing is like understanding where I, where I've come from playing junior college off in McLennan and then going to ACU uh, and then on to Denver and then now on to SMU, which we're going to be a power five program next year, which is, which is awesome. Uh, I, I'm surprised how good the coaches are and how cutthroat the competition is. Like there are so many good coaches and there's so many good programs. And it's like, as a junior player, if you are a great elite junior player, how hard is the decision for you to make where you're going to go to school? And so um, it's cutthroat in the fact that all these coaches are so good and all these programs are so good and all these facilities are so good and it's become an arms race. And, and, and I think it's, it's, it's awesome. It's great for junior golf. And I think, you know, we, we are having to navigate some challenges with the, with NIL and transfer portal, but I would say that college golf is on the rise. Golf in general is on the rise. And if you're a junior golfer looking to play college golf, you're going to have a great opportunity to play somewhere that really fits your mold of what you want to do in your life. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's one of the biggest things that I'm surprised about is how, how cutthroat the competition is in a good way. Um, you know, there are some bad eggs and there are some guys that don't do things the right way, but for the most part, there are a lot of great coaches with a lot of, a lot of great people that are in this industry. Um, and I, I think collectively I am surprised about how for the most part, everyone is so close in the coaching community and everybody knows everything and, you know, reputation kind of precedes itself with people. And so um, if you're, it's hard to hide in, in, in this very, small world, it's very, it's very hard to hide. And I, and I think we live in a world where it's, it's very difficult um, I was listening to your podcast last week and I think it's very difficult to hide from situations that you're not supposed to be doing. And someone's going to find out, someone's going to learn, someone's going to figure it out. And, uh, you know, like I said, like you said, I'd rather be on the right side of the, these things at all costs. And so, um, you know, this game is a big about reputation and college golf is a, is a very close knit game among the coaches. And so, um, and like I said earlier, this life, you're not going to be known for how many times you've won, you know, conference championship or regional or national championship, you're going to be knowing how you treat people. Um, these, these rings kind of come and go, but I, I'm telling you, it's, it's how we impact people and impact others and winning a tournament every once in a while is nice. But at the end of the day, it's, it's about how you treat people and, and your reputation as a, as a human being, I think matters the most. And that's going to, and, and like I said, that's, that's kind of do window because you, if you have a good reputation, you have more of an opportunity to recruit good players and good people and, build a great culture so yeah and, and again i said it's a small community we have so it's hard to hide if you're if you're doing things the wrong way um you know you talked about an influence in golf mike right a couple of influences in coaching tom and vince but uh before you became a golf coach you had to have some coaches you looked up to in other sports i would think sure and so who was the coach that probably affected that the most? I mean, like for me, it was John Wooden. I always looked up to John Wooden and what he was able to do in the, the college basketball world. And when I finally became a coach, first thing I did was buy three books on or by John Wooden. So mm -hmm. who who is it for you? 
Um, I was a big Duke basketball fan growing up. I think Coach K was phenomenal what he did. I always loved watching him on the, on the court because he was always so calm for the most part. Um, you know, he had a sense of charisma about him. He was easygoing. Um, he held the guys accountable, not in a demeaning way, I think. And he was so organized in the way he did things and, and just having the ability to to recruit the way he did and bring guys in just with his personality. And, and um, you know, he he was just very, very – easy going on the court. Every time I watched him coach, he was just kind of like this. He was just even keeled. And then every once in a while he would snap and get mad, but most of the time he was just pretty even keeled and just let his players play. Um, and so, uh, you know, from, from what I've read about him, he, he was a great guy that helped his players be accountable to what he was trying to do and build a culture. And, you know, I think Duke basketball is, was created by coach K, you know, and, and I think the, what he was able to do there, especially with, UNC just right there was pretty impressive. You know, he created a a powerhouse just by who he was as a human being. And so I, you know, I, I like how I like how calm and, and easygoing he was for the most part. He he seemed like a guy that was just not a whole lot was going to get under his skin. And in college athletics, it's really easy for things to get under our skins pretty quickly. And so especially coaching college golf. Yeah. Rider hit it out of bounds or have issues outside of how to outside of golf. And it's, it's very easy to lose our cool and, and be worked up about things that are eventually not going to matter tomorrow. So. Yeah. I would say uh, anytime you're a coach of such stature that CEOs ask you to come speak at conventions and different things like that. I mean, you're speaking to people outside the world of sports because you're such a great leader. And he always said, I mean, on numerous occasions I've read this where he said, I'm, I'm just a teacher. I'm a coach is a teacher and a teacher is a coach and you can't separate the two. And I think he's one of the best. And, you know, um, he proved that over a long period of time. Great role model for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're only 29, as we've mentioned a couple of times, but I don't think very many 29 year old coaches have gotten to coach as much elite golf as you've been able to coach. And and I'm going to say that because I, I don't know how many coaches at 29 have on their resume coaches or players that they've coached. Two of them have been PGA Tour University graduates and are now in the Corn Ferry Tour. That's Mac Meisner and Noah Goodwin. And another was a U.S. amateur runner-up, Ali Osborne. So uh, those all happened within a few years right there. And you've been at, and I know Chris Parr is a big, big reason for that. And Jason Inlow before him, you know, getting those kids to come there. But you've, you've had a front row seat at some pretty elite golf how are they different? What makes them different? What makes them tick? What is something unique about those guys that, that got them at that level? Well, you, you said it. They're all very unique. They have all very unique personalities. They're all different. Um, you know, they have different things about them. Um, but I, I think it's the it's the competitive edge in their in their eyes, the competitive edge in their life. Uh, they want to beat you, and they just don't want to beat you by one or two. They want to beat you by ten. Um, and and I think it is stemmed from them at a, from a very young age. You know, they're they're taught to be competitive. They're taught to win. They're taught to do everything correctly. They they are molded in a way that makes them extremely competitive and extremely good. Um, and it's not about their technique. It's not about their positions in their golf swing. It's and it's it's they're not allowed to. They were not allowed to be secure, insecure growing up. Their their only goal was to get the job done and beat you. And so 
you know, I watched these guys for a couple of years and I, and I think they're just so, so competitive, um, obviously very physically gifted and, you know, you have to be very physically gifted if you're going to be on, on that list. And so, um, both were first team, Noah Mack were both first team all Americans, I think. And, um, you know, both, both very unique personalities. They're very, both very different personalities. You know, Noah's a little bit more relaxed and he kind of has his life kind of just a little bit more relaxed. He's got his kind of things out of order a little bit, extremely physically talented, uh, you know, he just has a way that he wants to win and he wants to win by a hundred and, and Max the same way. And so Mac is very organized. He's got a four, had a 4.0 in the business school, you know, results were bled into him at a very young age. And he was, he's been very good at whatever he's done for a long time. And, and no, no, was a phenom, you know, no, was two-time AJGA player of the year. He, you know, world-class talent, you know, it's, it, players like that don't come through your programs often and learning from those guys. And it's, it's most of the time, the best way to coach them, in my opinion, was to just calm them down and, and treat them like a human being because they're so focused on the goal at hand. They're so focused on winning. They're so focused on trying to be the best they possibly can that they didn't have really the chance to think about themselves as a human being and, and focus on, Hey, look, I can, I can relax a little bit here. I can, I can take it easy. I don't have to be, this competitive juggernaut all the time. But I think the great part about those two guys is those, those two guys drive the culture of the program. Um, you've got two competitive guys like that. They're going to hold everybody accountable, whether it's with their words or with how their play is. And so uh, Mac was awesome. I mean, he, he drove the culture. He was basically a player's coach for us for a year when I was here. And he, he basically just coached the team. I mean, he, he told guys, hey, this is how we're going to do things. This is how you're going to do things. And, um, for a while there, it, it was like, it was really nice to have him around and we miss him. We miss him a lot because he kind of drove that culture of, of hard work and determination and, and doing things the right way. And that kind of bleeds into everybody else. Like if you're seeing Mac do, th do these things and he's getting these results and he's on PGA tour you and, you know, it's a 4.0 in the business school and you're not working like he is, he's going to, he was going to let you know, he's going to say, we need to do things better. This is not okay with me. And having a player hold, other players accountable is better than a coach holding players accountable because they, they will listen to a player more. Uh, and Noah was, Noah was just different. You know, he was definitely had a, um, a big voice in the team room, but he was, he was just led by his play. I mean, he really led by his play. He was so physically talented, so physically gifted. Um, he knew how to, he knew how to play elite tournament golf. Uh, and he taught a lot of our players that, you know, and I think that's, that's huge. Like a lot of people want to be an elite level player, but they don't know how to play like an elite level player. And I, and I think he, you know, or he and Mac really drove that thing, drove that for us. And so um, it was nice to have those guys learn a ton from him. Ollie was great. He kind of fell under that culture of hard work and determination and wanting to be great. Um, you know, we miss, we miss those guys a lot and, and you know, with college golf is you have to recruit new players and, you know, building team culture is important every year. And so we've been doing that and having an opportunity to speak some life into some new young guys has been fun. And um, we had a really young team last year after we graduated Mac and Noah and Ollie and, and those guys have moved on and to professional golf and have had some success, but it's, it's fun getting to learn from those guys, not just from golf, you know, the golf side of things, but a, a team culture side of things. I think you brought up something that gets either undervalued or overlooked often is what a coach can learn from a player 
because everybody wants to think that the coach is doing all of the teaching. And yes, we have to guide things. We have to direct things. We have to hold kids accountable. We have to do all that. But if you don't stop and take the time to see what this player who's elite is trying to teach you, uh, you're, you're losing, you're missing the boat. So I've, I've, I think I've done a good job of that through the years, trying to be the student. And it's tough because you have to check your ego. And the fact is, all of those elite players have played better golf than you and I have, right? No doubt. Yeah. No <laughs> so doubt. I, they can teach you something. Yeah, you know, just walking with both those guys, just watching some of the golf shots that they were able to hit and, and pull off and and have such great finishes. I was like, I would never be able to do this. And actually being able to be out of front row seat of how they're doing things and, and learn from them. Uh, while having a just a calming voice to calm them down through an intense you know season of golf and you know how golf is if you have a very intense player and a competitive player the best voice of reason is is calmness for these guys and so you know there's these results are important to them they want to do well and uh, just spending time with them and it's not even the information you can give them it's just the the calming presence that you can surround themselves with will you know usually help them play better while you're learning as a coach being around them. Well, maybe you should have those three guys come back and, and talk to the guys or play with them. Or do they do that sometimes? Well, they do, yeah. I, I think we're pretty fortunate with Trini Forrest and, and Mac and Noah are always – they're always around. They're having uh, conversations with the guys. And, you know, I, I would say the SMU community is pretty tight-knit as far as golf goes. And we see a bunch of our alums running around Trini Forrest a lot. So it's it's nice to have those guys come back and they're still plugged in with the program. And, uh, you know, these guys are wearing SMU on their on their bags and they're pretty proud of it. And, and so – you know, it's us as coaches to kind of keep that that culture and that trend going that Mac and Noah and um, even Bryson and Austin Smotherman come before that kind of started in Harry Higgs. So, um, you know, SMU golf is is pretty important to a lot of people. And so having that responsibility to make it good is is something that I don't take lightly. So, yeah, no, that's that's true. And and the culture that's developed over time, I think one of the best ways they can pass that down is from generation to generation of players where they talk to the young ones and say, listen, I remember exactly where you were. I know what you're going through. It's not easy, but if you keep putting one foot in front of the other, it's going to happen. So I know you're only 29, but what is the best piece of advice you would give a 14 year old that wants to play college golf? You really weren't a golfer until you were 15. So you're talking to a kid about that same age that wants to play college golf. If you had one piece of advice you think would benefit every kid, what would that be? I would just manage say manage your expectations. I, I think, you know, we see a lot of stuff on social media these days. I think I think kids are so prone to looking at social media and kind of seeing that all the private jets and all the all the nice travel and the nice courses and the nice hotels and the nice travel all the Division One Power Five schools are doing. But that's a really small percentage of of players that actually get to to take part in that. And so. Um, I think there's a lot of avenues and a lot of opportunity to play college golf. I, I did it. I played a junior college level and I played division one. You know, I had a great time and a great experience. Um, and you know what? I I would challenge players to not go to a school where they're not going to play college golf at and, and, and not travel and compete on the team. I would challenge those players to actually manage those expectations and understand that playing college golf and traveling with the team, no matter what level you're at, is one of the most fun and rewarding experiences that you can have in your entire life. And I wish I could go back to my college days and travel with the team because that was some of the most fun times I've had. And obviously I'm still doing it at 29. I'm just not playing at this point. I'm 
driving the van. Or, I think yeah. every coach would say it, and most players would say it, that some of the best memories were in those van rides, you know, to and from tournaments, because it's not always on an airplane. And just the time spent together. And, and you mentioned this earlier, and I, and I kind of glossed over it, but it it's not the accolades, you know, the accomplishments. When when a coach you respect walks towards you, you don't you don't recite his resume. You know, it's, oh, he was he's had four All Americans and he's had three national champions. You don't recite his you you literally uh, you think about this is the man I respect. You know, I, this is a coach that's done a lot for me. You know, you don't think about his resume. So, uh, no, as far good, as I'm concerned, good, go ahead. No, that's a good point. I, I think you know it's. We remember people how they treat us and how they make us feel. I think those are the two of the biggest things and how they help develop us as human beings. Obviously that those are the things that I have benefited tremendously from from Vince and Tom. And you know, post-college, Tom has helped develop me as a young coach. And uh, you know, I had those experiences and and you know, I, I can care less about what, what accolades he has or what he's done, but you know, he's become one of my closest mentors and friends. And, you know, if he, if he has a great year, I'm, I'm going to congratulate him, but he's not, that's not going to change uh, how I feel about him. And so, you know, we live in a world where yes, results are really nice. And, you know, we, we have those experiences that are fun when we win. And, but at the end of the day, it's, it's like, how do you, how are you going to develop people and how are you going to develop your career? And what do you want to be, what do you want to be labeled as? What do you want to be known as? And, and so that's something that's really important to me. And, I, I love winning. I love, I love being competitive and I love my team to play well. And I, I love watching guys, you know, have a chance to win the golf tournament coming down the stretch. But at the end of the day, those are things that if you're doing the right things, ultimately they do matter, but they're also not the most important thing. I, I love that. So you actually have a lot of wisdom for a guy that's 29. Just, <laughs> I don't know if that's come through hard knocks of trying to beat your head against the wall to figure these things out, but, it's really true. You know, I didn't think any more of Tom Shaw before they won that conference championship to get into a regional for the first time as a, a emerging D1 program. I, I didn't think any more than I thought of him before. I was just yeah. happy for him. You know, it was great. And uh, I feel the same way. Yesterday, uh, we we competed in San Antonio at the Valero Texas Collegiate. And it's a great event. And with six holes to play, SMU, I mean, a TCU Vanderbilt and Baylor we were all neck and neck and Vanderbilt just kind of you know made a bunch of late birdies and ended up winning the tournament I don't think any more or less of Scott Limbaugh I'm, I'm proud of him he's a great guy and a great colleague but I was really happy for uh Bill you know he's a former Baylor Bear and he was able to the very first tournament he coached he almost won a very elite field and I think it's great but I wouldn't have thought any more of him if he'd have won it or lost it so it's well, the relationships well, well, golf is hard because we live in a world of what have you done for me lately? You know, like you could win something and then the next year you're like, oh, you did this. And so we, you're always going to be chasing more. It's just like life and life or whatever you got going on. It's what have you done for me lately? And it's a hard mindset to to live under and, and constantly operating on that can, can really drive you down as a person, as, as a coach or a player, or whatever you're doing. And so um, if you're doing things the right way and, and like we've talked about, just, operating under a sense of that this is not about results and usually those things don't bother you as much as as it would if you're trying to win a golf tournament every time you tee it up and it's it's uh those things just happen and so yeah i think we win some we lose a lot 
but we can always we can always treat people the right way. That's a great message you've brought today. Okay, the last thing we'll talk about today is your fall schedule. We just got ours started yesterday, and we're actually leaving tomorrow after, uh, to go to Olympia Field. So we're literally back to back, and that'll be, and then we'll have a little bit of a break before the Big Twelve match play, and then uh, a, one more tournament in the you know in October. So, uh, what do you guys have coming up? Yeah, we just played. We just got back on uh, on Sunday night. We played in the Maui Gym Intercollegiate. Uh, we finished fifth out of fifteen teams. Had a pretty solid finish. We uh, had a really solid first two rounds. I think we were, you know, one shot back of third going into the final round, and uh, you know had a pretty good finish there. You know, we've got a couple new transfers in this year: Chaz Aurelia and Aaron Jarvis that are in the lineup right now, and um, some returners as well as Will Sides, uh, Jay Hall Humphreys, and Zach Kingsland. So. Zach's coming off a round of 32 finish at, at the U.S. Amateur and kind of has some confidence and just finished T4. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for the rest of the season. We're, we're hosting the Stevens Cup in uh, in early October at Trinity Force, which is going to be really an amazing experience for everyone that plays in it. Uh, I know how you feel about Trinity Force. Trinity Force is a, is a really cool golf course, and um, we feel pretty fortunate to have it on Golf Channel and be involved in that. And so – I think it's going to showcase pretty beautifully that time of year and have a great field and maybe have a chance to win that. And so, you know, we're, we're looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a great test. Um, hopefully have some home course advantage there a little bit. I, I think we usually do, um, except if we're playing little rock, they seem to, they seem to have got us last year. <laughs> I got to uh, tell you last year, they, that, they played amazing last year. That was I, I haven't won many, very many times against Jake Harrington. We finally clipped him this week, and he was wearing a different jersey this week. So it was it was uh, fun to finally clip Jake. He's a he's a phenomenal coach, and he's going to do great in New Mexico. But uh, after that, we go to Fallen Oak Intercollegiate. I think UNLV is hosting that. John Paul Avery is a good friend of mine, and um, it seems like a pretty good field and a good tournament at a, at a pretty cool spot. And so we're looking forward to that. And um, we played in the preserve intercollegiate last year um, in Carmel and we just had a great time. It's a beautiful piece of property and um, looking forward to that as well. We'll play Cypress point at the back end of that and, you know, kind of wrap up the fall there. And so got a pretty young team. Um, I'm, I'm excited to kind of keep on getting on the road with these guys and, um, you know, continue to try to help develop them. That's great. Well, that, that is a heck of a schedule you guys have planned for the fall. Um, uh, I'd like to maybe go on a couple of those trips, especially the one to Carmel. <laughs> You're always nice. welcome. You're always welcome. But, yeah, I don't know if I mean you'd have to you'd have to get somebody to fund it for me that you know maybe they consider me a potential donor, probably not. But maybe. Uh, anyway, maybe. anyway. So listen, uh, Brandon, it's been great uh, just kind of getting you on here to just talk a little bit about you know being a young coach and the influences and how important it is. And I think your message today about how we treat people is really, really important and doing it the right way. And I encouraged you here fairly recently to keep doing that because I think that will win out in the long run, regardless of what the short-term results are. And I think you agreed with it. And I think both of us should live by it. So thank you very much for being here today. Yeah, Mike, I'm, you know, I'm very thankful for you. I I don't think I'd be in my position if it wasn't for you. And, you know, I'm really thankful for your mentorship and uh, just the way you've treated me as a young coach. I mean, I, I can go back to, where you let me stay with you in your your same hotel room when I was my first year at ACU at the at the coaches convention. I'll go back to those times, and uh, you probably had really nothing to gain from me, but I, I had everything to gain from you. And I'm, I've appreciated your mentorship over the years, and you know I'm I'm very thankful for our friendship uh, too. And I, and I I think what you what you're doing for the game is great, and uh, 
you you are one of my favorite college coaches before I uh, before I got into coaching. If I knew you, so I, okay. I, appreciate, I, I appreciate you, and I, you know you're doing such an amazing job for college golf. Well, thank you, and best of luck. And I know we'll run into each other again very soon because we do recruit in the same circles. <laughs> I'll see you soon. Probably All next right, week. thanks, Brandon. Or next week. Thanks, uh-huh. Bye.